This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. And we are back on Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with <gasps> Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. And we have a few bits of excitement to mention before we move on to our article, Six Habits of People Who Know How to Bring Out the Best in Others from FastCompany.com. We'll get to that in just a moment. But we would like to give some special shout-outs. One is to Anna Zemanski, who recently published her debut dance, A Monster. That can be found on Copper Knob and probably Line Dancer Web as well. Uh, what have been your experiences with a monster, Megan? Uh, well, other than the uh, special uh, learning it for her first release, first event, um, which was nice and fun, um, I then got to review it with her. Before I moved on from Colorado to uh, Fun in the Sun. And once I got back from Fun in the Sun, I was actually able to teach it. Um, Which apparently the video is up on YouTube. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's I love it. I thought it was a really cute dance. Um, I really enjoyed the track... Uh, as well as um, I liked that she had the intro that was different than you know a lot of dances, uh, and yeah, she just did a, she did a great job. I was I was really impressed with her abilities. So yeah, the uh, the video was published on August twentieth. It is now August thirty first, and it already has nine hundred and fourteen views. Oh, no pressure. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> a lot of people watching you teach. Cool. All right. Um, So also if people want to take a look at the – or take a look, take a listen to the episode of Line Dance Podcast, uh, which you can find at linedancepodcast.com, there is an episode if you want to take a a, a special visit to linedancepodcast.com in order to play the interview with Anna Zemanski. Uh, that comes in at 20 minutes, 43 seconds. It was published just this last Tuesday, August 29th. And we get into all sorts of interesting stuff, like the influence that her parents have had on her, um, her extracurricular activities, uh, her interest in math. thought that was pretty neat stuff to hear about. So yeah, take a, uh, a stroll over to linedancepodcast.com and you can listen to that interview. Also, huge... Congratulations to our friend uh, and dancer-in-arms, John O'Lieberman. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Megan showing me his post. <clears throat> what a weekend. Hotlanta. Hashtag Hotlanta Line Dance Jam. First and foremost, thank you, Jennifer Cameron, for putting on such a fun event. My top highlight would definitely be the choreography competition placements. Best Mistakes, that's his dance with Jason Takahashi. First place, non-phrased. Only everything. Second place, phrased. Stomp like what? Third place, beginner. Huge shout out to Jennifer Nicole Rogers and Jacqueline Rogers who flew out to their, who, they're the first 
large weekend event and stepped out of their comfort zone to demo with me and for their valuable feedback and patience as I continue to choreograph new dances. In addition, Jason Takahashi has not only done these two, but he also co-choreographed Best Mistakes. Thank you. And then he's got a whole bunch of other stuff about the event. Um, yes, huge congratulations to Jono. Uh, it's, it's been quite a ride watching him uh, since I first met him in Vegas 2015, Vegas Dance Explosion uh, 2015, as an instructor, having won the previous year with all bass, no treble. Uh, seeing him out there in the competition world and um, putting out really fun dances. We were actually in the demo for Stomp Like What once upon a time. Um, it's it's really exciting to see one of our friends doing so well out there. Also, uh, we have a note from Betsy Kuhn Courant, uh, who incidentally has uh, an improver dance that took first place at Hotlanta, and that dance is called Shaboom Shuffle. She has a Peppy phrased, as she describes it, uh, check it out. It's called check it out, which took third place, and a smooth intermediate, which took second place, and a phrased, which took first place. She's been busy. Uh, <laughs> she posted recently in the newsletter, World Line Dance newsletter, uh, wow, what a great response I've received to having a periodic classic line dance Workshop. Our first workshop is scheduled for Saturday, September 30th from 12.30 to 5.30. Cost us $25. On the schedule... Have fun, go mad, poetry in motion, swing your chains, and larger than life. I will do full teaches and then a quick review of each dance and dance again at the end of the day. And of course, time for social dancing in between. If you plan to attend, please email me your requests for open dance at... Now, naturally, since this radio station uh, broadcasts all over the world, I do not expect that uh, many of the folks listening will be able to make that workshop. Mostly, though, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that she is teaching classics. And I think that came from some of the fun that she had late night in Hotlanta, which Megan and I can certainly um, attest to as well. Like those late nights are lots of fun. Uh, We have many videos on my YouTube channel of the late night dances that caught our eye in places like Windy City, Line Dance Mania. And Vegas, uh, Vegas Dance Explosion. So, if you are wondering what is it that people dance after 1 a.m. until about 4 to 6 a.m., and which ones should I learn, which ones are the most fun, take a look online. Uh, If you just look up Vegas Dance Explosion 2016 or, um, or Windy City Line Dance Mania 2016, I will... Surely, if you put Christopher Gonzalez in the search field as well, you'll see I have many, many videos for you to browse, uh, most of which are in full. I don't think I was pulled for most of those by the YouTube copyright uh, police. Um, Yeah, Have Fun, Go Mad, and Poetry in Motion are musts. Those will be at every event ever. Uh, Right now, Megan and I are going over dances like Syncopated Rhythm, and we just recently did some review on Hold Your Horses, uh, someday maybe we'll learn Splish Splash, but that one's a longer one. We'll see about that. Uh, of course, Dance Ranch Romp and Jukebox anytime uh, Joe is around. Recently, we've been starting to look at Michael Barr's dances as well. Like uh, What's Your Name was a very popular uh, late night dance 
in Colorado Springs, as was Wonderland Waltz by Rob Fowler. And uh, watching Jill and Michael play with that one is a hoot. Uh, if you can think of some that you would like to point out as well, please uh, chime in. Oh, the few that come to mind is uh, Hot Tamales. Yes. And yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, those have been on our list for quite some time now, and uh, I think we finally have them solidified enough that we could get out there and not have to think too much and just really be able to have fun and enjoy them, which... Fingers crossed we will be able to do this weekend at uh, the Amy and Friends event hosted uh, alongside Michael and Michelle for uh, Wild Wild West, where we will be able to hang with Rachel and Fred. And uh, this note here is definitely dating this episode because it will only be relevant today. But uh, I believe the cutoff date for early registration prices is today for both Vegas Dance Explosion. Let's see here. It says, The early bird registration cutoff is Friday, September 1st. You can still get your registration postmarked before September 1st and take advantage of the early registration prices before they go up or register online before September 1st at djdancing.com. Register now and etc. and so on. Uh, So that's Vegas Dance Explosion. You're going to want to check that out as soon as you possibly can uh, because you will be sold as soon as you see what's going to be happening there this year. Also, Windy City Line Dance Mania, it's the final day to register for the early bird rate. You can still register at the door, but not at this rate. All registrations must be postmarked by August 31st, or you will get a surcharge at the door. So get on both of those right away. I know that uh, Megan and I will certainly be attending both of those events. We've been excited for those since last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Now that we've discussed all the major points of excitement from this past week... Here we go with this article. Six habits of people who know how to bring out the best in others. Online dance podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. This article comes to you from fastcompany.com. It was written by Stephanie Voza. As a leader, the most important part of your job isn't your results. Your job is to inspire your employees' results. Here's how. If you think your most important job as a leader is to write mission statements, set goals, or even increase revenue, you're focusing on the wrong metrics. Your most significant role doesn't involve your results. Your job is to inspire your employees' results, says Richard S. Wellens, co-author of Your First Leadership Job, How Catalyst Leaders Bring Out the Best in Others. As a leader, your focus changes. Your number one priority is to bring out the best in others, says Wellens, who is Senior Vice President at Management Consulting Firm DDI. A study done by DDI and Harris Interactive found that 98% of employees who have good leaders are motivated to do their best, while only 11% of employees with ineffective managers felt motivated to give their best. Being able to bring out the best in others is a skill that involves just 10% natural inclination. The other 90% has to be deliberate, says Wellens. It can't be learned by listening to a lecture or reading examples, he says. It needs to be practiced, reinforced, and used day to day. Here are six of their daily habits. 1. They focus on the person's strengths. 
Good leaders identify the strengths of individual team members and give employees opportunities to use them, says Wellens. They cultivate and optimize others' talents and capabilities, he says. While some strengths will be obvious, good leaders schedule one-on-one meetings and ask questions such as, what do you enjoy doing most as part of your work? And what do you miss most about the jobs you've had in the past? And why? Um, I know when it comes to like actual specifically work and whatnot, I've been a manager and that is certainly one thing I've, uh, taken the time to do. Uh, but by translating it into something that may be dance related, um, when you have someone that maybe picks up a dance in the class really, really quickly and they and they do it well. Um, you could have them potentially review it next week. Um, if you have someone that's shy and doesn't want to be in front of the class, but is really really good and a strong um, dancer, potentially you could have them wall lead um, stuff like that. I know when it comes to uh, like when I would be training associates, if I had someone who was really, really good at selling this particular item, I would have them train all of my associates on how they sell that particular item. Um, One, it gives them that sense of I'm being acknowledged for a task well done. And two, it also gives them um, that investment. They're now invested in a part of it because the fact is they're now teaching it. They're now explaining it. Um, so they're a part of it and they want to contribute. And when people feel a part of something, they want it to last. They want it to keep going. They want it to get better. Um, I know like you could do this at events. If you have someone who's really strong at organizing the volunteer table or something like that, you could put them in charge of that particular thing. If you have someone who's maybe shy and doesn't necessarily want to talk to a whole lot of people, you can put them more behind the scenes um, unless they're wanting to get out of their comfort zone. That's a whole different story. But um, by taking someone who's strong in one area and putting them in charge of that particular area, they get a sense of fulfillment and appreciation as well as acknowledgement and um, like I was actually having a conversation with uh, Kat Painter last night, people feel good when they're acknowledged for the work that they put in and they contribute um, to a project that's happening. Um, you know, they, they like to feel like they're not wasting their time uh, by doing all of these things that, you know, they feel is important to them because they want the end result to be good um, when they're acknowledged for a job well done or even just their contribution, it makes them feel good and makes them want to work harder. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that sense of acknowledgement. If a person has been working on something, I don't know if maybe this will come up later in the list at all, but like let's say a person is really energetic or they, they hit things, hit beats really hard. And they go home and they try to be you know, more graceful or sweeping or, or whatnot. 
and two people separately give the person um, separate compliments. One person says like, wow, you, you really hit those spots. However you hit them, that was great and amazing and energetic. And the other person says like, you looked really graceful and really nice in that one dance. They'll probably take that comment more to heart because they want to be acknowledged for the hard work they put into that. The other stuff might come naturally and, and you know, it might look however it looks and maybe people will enjoy watching it or whatever. But um, if they didn't really try to achieve those results and they really tried hard for the others, then acknowledging that and, um, and drawing special focus to that will make a deep impact on the person. So yeah, I guess in addition to finding out what it is that they already do well and telling them that that's really great that they do things that well, um, maybe supplement that with find out what they're trying to do well. And even if it's just a tiny little victory, a tiny improvement over the previous week, uh, that'll feel great for them to know they're making progress. So focus on the strength that they have developed in the past week on that tiny area um, while everybody else is focusing on the thing they've always been strong at and were just born at. Yeah. Number two. They empathize. Leaders who bring out the best in others listen to what team members are saying and put themselves in their shoes, says Wellens. When dealing with an emotional situation, listening and responding with empathy can immediately reduce tension and until things calm down, nothing productive can occur. Empathy will drive better performance. This is a huge motivator, says Wellens. So a couple things come to mind when I think about this one. One, um, learning dances can be really frustrating. If you're challenging yourself to do a harder level than you're prepared for or a new style that you're not used to or anything like that. Um, and understanding that if you're teaching someone that it may take longer and it may be frustrating for them. And so having the patience to remind yourself that, you know, you were a beginner once you had to learn this dance once, um, you struggled with certain dances, having that reminder present helps you get them through it. Um, and let them know that they're not alone. Um, a lot of this has to do with, in my opinion, just really recognizing the individual for the individual. Um, their strengths and their weaknesses. And putting yourself in that reminding position that you were there once too. Um, and that you have your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, allows you to really connect with people. Another thing that really comes to mind is um, teaching. I am very new to teaching. I still mess things up royally. I mix up my lefts from my rights every now and then. And it has helped me immensely 
that there was one video that I saw of Joe Thompson Zmanski teaching a dance. I do not recall what the dance was at the time where she had messed up and she, she actually kept it in there. She didn't edit it out or anything like that. She was, see, even instructors mess up now and then. Um, and I've taken that same thing because she gave me the permission to be, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, I've now implemented that in my teaching when I do make mistakes. Like, see, even sometimes I get it wrong. So, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break. Um, It gives them that permission to keep trying and it allows me to connect with them um, and for them to connect with me. Yeah, I I remember points earlier in my dance journey when it would be very easy to look at many of the other people with roles in the dance community and say, why are they teaching like this? Like, why did, why didn't they do this instead? Or God, why is the DJ playing like this song? Didn't they play this earlier tonight? Like, why do they need to do a second one of this or that or the other? Or like, God, these, these are so easy. Why don't they bring this or that dance? in? why do we need to do all these easy dances? Um, why, why would the choreographer have to make these step sheets so complicated? Why can't we just learn from videos? Like, uh, it's more complicated than it has to be. It's such a waste of time. Like it's easy as a dancer where your only responsibility is dancing. Um, it's easy to look at everybody else and think how you might do things differently when it's not actually your job to do those things. And then you do those things. And as a DJ, you're dying out there. You need an easy dance to keep people on the floor uh, because you just played a couple of harder ones and like, that's good. But like um, now you, you want to get people back on the floor and the ones that you tried, you thought they would know. It turns out they don't. And you're like, Cupid shuffle, here we come. (laughs) And maybe somebody's getting frustrated about that, but they don't know what you're going through as the DJ. You don't, they don't know that you have a job to do. That's very different from theirs as a dancer. As an instructor, uh, same thing. Like you, you as a student might be thinking, "We did this wall three times already. I got it. Like, let's move on." As the instructor, you know how many people are in your class. <laughs> you know it's more than that one brilliant student front row center who has it. You know, having looked at it once. Um, and as the instructor, you feel like you're going to be a total failure if you leave any of your students behind and you know that you have to do it. Like 80% is still a good number to like get through the lesson, but you feel so bad when I want the hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. Yeah. When there's that one student and you know, they need one-on-one attention. They are having trouble just getting lefts and rights and following the beat as you're saying it just doing the movement while you are doing the movement as slowly as you can do it. They're still not getting it and you don't know what else you can do, but like you can't make the rest of the class suffer either. So then you have to move on. And for some people in your class, it's still not fast enough. So, uh, that's what you learn as the instructor. Um, and as a choreographer, you want to make your step sheet impeccable because if people misinterpret it, then you're going to go online and see a video of what you think is your dance. And it's not, it's close, but it's not. And you wonder, where did I go wrong? Like, did I need more detail? Did I need to be more explicit in all the words that I could have used? 
And by adding more words, you're making somebody out there mad because they think it's becoming more complicated just because you used more words. Um, you really don't want to be misunderstood, though, as the choreographer. So you have to use as many as you need to really be sure they're going to do it the way you have envisioned it. It would be nice if they would look at the video to be sure, but if they don't, then all you have is the words on your paper, and that can take some explaining to get it just right. Um, which you don't understand as the early dancer, thinking this is so many words, I'm never going to learn this dance. Like, what does step right foot to right side, left touch? Well, why didn't they just say step touch? Like, step touch, and then to the left, step touch. Like, it's that easy. Just say that. You know how many different ways you could interpret that? Like, do we do a turn while we're stepping and touching? Or do we step and then touch that same foot somehow by, like, hopping in place? Like, you need to eliminate all the ambiguity. Uh, Many different ways. Many different ways uh, to bash everybody else uh, in their job and their role when those aren't your jobs. Um, You can learn empathy through doing those jobs, even just trying them once. And this might be a good exercise for people with very ambitious students or or very outspoken students uh, who have opinions on how everything should be done. Tell them in a totally non-sarcastic manner, just say, all right, well, you know what? You seem like you've got a good grasp of this. Give it a shot next week. Let's, Let's see. We'll turn it over completely to you. Show me how you would do it and then see how they do. And then either they will be like, wow, this is very humbling. Uh, I didn't know it was this difficult. Um, I will keep that in mind. Or they'll be like, yeah, uh, I don't know why I wasted my time with you and your lame class. I'm going to go start my own, and that's fine. (laughs) They can go grow in another field somewhere. Um, And then, you know, the students who like that will go go learn from them. Yeah. So, yeah, empathy. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, you just... You were saying uh, having them teach or whatever, and it just made me uh, think of the one thing I used to say is I think everybody should have a job in retail and food service during the holiday season. That'll teach you empathy. Indeed. (laughs) Number three, they give recognition. People who bring out the best in others also reward and recognize good work. Leaders often worry that praise will seem unprofessional or that employees will become complacent or overconfident. It isn't, and they won't, says Wellens. It's about making a person feel good about themselves even when they feel challenged or are in tough times. This is also important when things are going well, adds Wellens. It's so simple, but our research shows that one to two-thirds of leaders are not good at acknowledging good work, he says. It is so important to acknowledge people's efforts, um, regardless if it's a win or a loss for them, as long as you're acknowledging their effort. Um, I know for me, um, I want honest feedback when I ask for feedback, um, but I also like hearing like okay so this is what you could work on this is what you work on this is what you can work on but this right here this moment this one time you did this one thing um the whole night that was amazing everybody was having fun or you you really you really got that point across or whatever the case may be um makes up for all of these things that you have to work on 
in a way where you're like, okay, I didn't just totally mess up the whole night. You know, I have this one good thing, so these are the other things that I can work on so that I can have another good thing next time. Um, and it's really important to acknowledge people for that. Um, I like to think that people who feel good about themselves and the work that they're producing work harder. Um, because they like hearing that they're doing a good job because I don't think as human beings, we tell each other enough positive things on a daily basis. Um, and so like recognizing people for their hard work and their contribution, um, is huge. I know I was blown away personally it at Northwest line dance blast this last year, watching Rachel floor split the way she did. It was like, I've never seen someone work so hard to include everybody. And it was such a good feeling to watch um, that I was like, I'm just, I'm impressed. I'm just so impressed and so blown away by that. Um, I also know like certain people who have, uh, you know, tried really hard to expand on their dance abilities. Um, I know we were, we were helping teach one of our uh, club members the other day, AK Freak. And I wanted to point out to her that she's in the advanced level dances now. Um, you know, so like she's picking them up really well. And I remember when she was like, wait, it, it's a hard dance? Really? I just thought the steps were unusual. I didn't realize it was a hard dance. And she like, she just got this beam across her face about like, wow, I actually did better than I thought then if I got most of it, you know. Um, and just by acknowledging that little bit of effort and saying, you know, this isn't an absolute beginner dance that you're not getting right away. This is a hard dance that you're getting 90% of. So be proud of yourself. That's huge. Um, it really does make a difference for people. Mm-hmm. I think... People in the line dance community are very good with that. We we mentioned before in an episode about uh, how there's like no overwhelming really. Um, you'd rather have too many people or have have a complaint that too many people. Actually, you know what? Phrase it how you did regarding retail. <laughs> um. I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but essentially I would rather have a complaint that people are being over-greeted and over-welcomed than being ignored for 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Same goes with recognition where I would rather that people feel like everybody has been telling them how how great they were for this or that thing, like volunteers at events, uh, as opposed to nobody recognizing or too few people recognizing the work that they put in. Cause eventually they can get to that point where so many people have said it. They're like, well, oh, shucks like that. It was nothing like people seem to really have taken this to heart as like some difficult thing, but it wasn't that bad. Like even if it was that bad, like they won't feel like it was after so many people have told them it was amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the posts that happen on Facebook after major events, I really enjoy seeing. Uh, people will go left and right, tagging people 
who made an impact on them, like fellow competitors in choreography competitions, uh, event managers, the DJs who keep things going till 6 a.m., fellow travelers who all came from the same state to be at the event, uh, people they haven't seen in a while, the choreographers for having fun, uh, lessons, so many different people um, do things at these events that can be thanked for, and they all get thanked. Um, people take the time to write out every little thing that they enjoyed and they attribute all of those things to the people responsible for creating that environment. Um, also just little things like when Steph, Stephanie Miller, our uh, line dance club president at Sonoma state, she drove us back from, um, Sony's rock and rodeo last night. And, she didn't have to. She didn't drive us there, but it was important uh, for a number of us in the car to to really thank her, like before we left, and then upon arriving back home, uh, for doing that because it was late. <laughs> we were all tired. It was a hot day, and I don't think any of us really wanted to have to be the person to step up and take us all back in one piece. But she did it. And she does that kind of thing all the time. So um, even when a person has that kind of consistent reputation for doing amazing things like Rachel, like Joe, I think it's still important to let them know. Like we haven't suddenly, because it's you know the, the 10th time on your punch card, doesn't mean we're going to take it for granted now and just assume that you know how amazing you are. We're still going to tell you. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, there there are many folks in the line dance community specifically that uh, that deserve that recognition time and again for the things that have become almost routine seemingly um, when they do those. Uh, it's it's amazing every time. Yeah. So yeah, do that uh, whether you're at your community center or your local bar or at events. Uh, find something that's going well. And imagine like what the opposite would be like if that weren't going well and then think, wow, this person is really saving us from that. I'm going to go thank them because often you won't notice that it's going well until it isn't. Number four, they connect the right people. Liz Wiseman, author of Rookie Smarts, Why Learning Beats Knowing in the New Game of Work. Oh, while learning beats knowing in the new game of work, calls leaders who bring out the best in others multipliers. She says multipliers look for talent everywhere and focus on finding people at whatever level who know the things they don't. Multipliers take the time to understand the capabilities of each individual so that they can connect employees with the right people and the right opportunities, thereby building a virtuous cycle of attraction, growth, and opportunity, she writes in an article for Harvard Business Review. There's a lot that can be said on the title topic of They Connect the Right People. Um, As for, like, the specific detail of um, connecting others in things, like, that they may not know, that's a little bit different. Um, I know, me personally, I want to help out anyone I can in any way I can. Um, And so I'm really, really looking forward to this specific weekend coming up for Wild Wild West because we have a friend 
flying up from LA who's never been to one of these events before. And I'm really, really excited about introducing her to some of the people that are around this area that um, have been doing this for a while, that um, some of the choreographers that'll be there, um, and just really giving her a chance to see the bigger picture out there um, so that she can take whatever steps she may want and grow in the way that she would like to. Um, we're very, very fortunate in uh, the fact that you and I um, talk to a lot of different people and we have tons of different opportunities for teaching, for helping and volunteering at things, um, for helping host events, um, even if it's a small little one-day workshop for absolute beginners coming up here, um, you know, five minutes from your house, uh, that's still an opportunity that we have been given. And I would like to think that whatever knowledge I learn from that, whatever people I meet from that, that I could potentially help them in the future if they want to do more. Um, and just introducing people to different, you know, things. There's so much when it comes to our line dance community. I mean, there's the DJs, there's the teachers, there's choreographers, there's the dancers, there's, you know, the event hosters, there's, you know, all the different people who do, like, the flooring and the pictures and the videography. And, I mean, there's so much um, that we're really, really blessed with a giant team when it comes to this kind of thing um and one of the best part about it is you know our line dance community is really good at helping each other when we need it um and really just extending a hand and being like you know if you have any questions let me know if you need feedback let me know um you know like they're just really generous and that's probably why i uh I love it so much. Yeah, I think that's one of the nice things about specifically line dance is that even though we each would like to achieve some kind of success in whatever form that might be, whether it's like choreographing a big hit dance or throwing the event that everybody talks about or um, you know teaching a thousand plus people all at once, it's not the sort of striving that you achieve at the expense of others like it's a very cooperative and not um cutthroat field so um when people succeed they want to help others we, we've seen um rachel collaborating with people recently in like the last year or two and maybe longer that we might not know about if it weren't for her name being attached to theirs mm-hmm. and joe uh, has done the same uh, I've seen Guyton do the same. And with line dance, no matter how much you succeed, if other people aren't also doing well, the whole scene dies. Like, Because you can do great and have all the focus be on you, and then you leave, and because nobody else was being built up during that time, there there's no reason to go to some of these events, and then there are no more events, and then you don't have anywhere to go in your retirement. <laughs> like when, when you have achieved everything you wanted, 
Um, there's nothing left for anyone else. To avoid that, a lot of line dance people do collaborate and teach other people's dances and uh, change out some of the normal names at events that they host so that maybe the young up-and-comers or old up-and-comers, who knows, um, can have a chance to to expose themselves to more people. And it's funny because we were just talking last night about... Um, how there are some choreographers who won't teach dances, not necessarily as a rule, but just it happens that way. They won't teach dances by people they don't know. Like if they had to choose, if they see a list of dances and they want to teach something to that song, they'll probably pick the person that they know pretty well as at least the first one to click on. And then if that dance is halfway decent, they won't look any farther. So with line dance, a lot of your success will depend on knowing more people. (laughs) Having somebody introduce you to more people is a um is like gold <laughs> um i i want to definitely give a special shout out to ruben luna who went out of his way in colorado this last year and introduced both you and myself to um people that he thought we should know people that he thought it would be good for us to know and people who not even just for our benefit but people who he thought um, would be better off if they knew us. Like if they were aware of what we do so that they could maybe bring us on board for whatever they have going on in the future. There are people who are very good at that, at being the connectors, like Ruben, who you know hosts these social mixers unofficially uh, at events and makes sure that everybody knows everybody else so that we're all having a good time together. Other folks are really shy and they know who they know almost by accident. Um, otherwise, they're sitting in their corner or at their table, and they wish someone would come up and talk to them. If they don't figure something out, if nobody introduces them to anyone else, um, and the the strength of their work isn't stand out enough for whatever reasons uh, that it draws people attention, that might be a short career for them in the line dance world. Because people have to know who you are in order to go to your event, to teach your dance, um, or to choreograph with you. Like, if you're if you're invisible, then none of those things can happen. So yeah, uh, connecting the right people and finding out what kind of skill set uh, is necessary to do that will make you very valuable in the line dance community. If that's something that you want to become. Number five, they don't micromanage. Bringing out the best in others means delegating. Good managers are careful not to micromanage, says Wellens. Their job is to assign or direct general goals in work that needs to be done, but they should never do it for the person. Stretch goals that push people can have a... Stretch goals that push people can have a big impact on how people feel about themselves, their work, and what they can accomplish, says Wellens. Appeal to their strengths and give them responsibility and they will achieve their goals, he says. As team members earn small wins, their confidence grows and seemingly insurmountable problems appear less daunting, adds Wiseman. Roadblocks become interesting puzzles for the team to solve. Multipliers see themselves as coaches and teachers, writes Wiseman. These leaders put a high premium on self-sufficiency. Once they delegate a task or decision, they don't try to take it back. 
Uh, something with that. <laughs> they do delegate and follow up to make sure everything's going okay. And if there's any questions or anything like that, you don't just assign someone a task and then walk away from them. Um, and so it is good to follow up. But yes, you, once you've given someone a task, you don't take it back. Um, this also goes to, like I was saying earlier, how if you have someone who maybe wants to show an interest in teaching, but they're scared to get in front of the class, you can have them wall lead for a little bit until they get more comfortable and ease them into something like that. Um, when, you know, setting up events, you have so many different things that you have to take care of as the event manager that if you delegate certain areas to people that you trust that are hard workers and can help you achieve what you're trying to achieve, um, then it frees you up a little bit. Um, I know retail speaking my biggest mistake as a first-time manager is the most common mistake as a first-time manager which is you try and accomplish everything yourself um it's impossible and you get burnt out really really quickly so i would imagine putting on one of these very large events can be time consuming and energy consuming that you need as many team members as you possibly can that you can delegate. Okay, I need you to, to make all these copies for the registration. I need you to put the packets together. I need you to be responsible for helping set up the floor. You to be responsible for the decoration. And then have those particular individuals pick a team of X amount of people that they can manage doing those tasks, work together as those teams to create the bigger picture and the goal um, to accomplish. And that frees up um, the manager to do the more daunting tasks or um, just kind of make sure all the dots are being connected the way they had envisioned for the event. If you are training a potential instructor... I highly recommend doing a practice run of the lesson exactly as it will later be taught by the potential instructor because it is awkward as a student when you have the lead instructor do their lesson and then the maybe you'd want to call them like apprentice or learning instructor they go up for theirs and the lead instructor is talking over them for a lot of the lesson and you wonder who are we supposed to be listening to are we supposed to pretend we don't hear the lead instructor right now is this now her lesson or his lesson um you see the the apprentice getting flustered and wonder at what point they should just turn over the whole darn thing to the person who's talking over them all of this could be avoided if you do a practice lesson smooth out all of the things that the lead instructor would have to say during the main lesson and get those out of the way when no one can see it. And we don't have to see how the sausage is being made exactly. Like we don't need to see the apprentice make mistakes or stumble. We see them as they are after the practice and we just accept their authority as we should when they're instructing the lesson. Uh, If you are the lead instructor and you're tempted for whatever reason to chime in, 
because the person has made some kind of verbal flub, they've said a left or a right or a half turn or a quarter turn, and it's not quite right, just let it go for a while. Let the instructor, the apprentice, figure it out on their own if they can, and maybe they will. Maybe they'll catch it on their own, and no one will know that a mistake was made. Uh, or maybe the person can cover it so well that it looks intentional. But when you jump in and you micromanage and you you try to make the lesson your own, then everybody knows that a mistake was made and we all just kind of have to look at our shoes while the grown-ups sort it out between themselves. Yeah, um, that is something important. And as a potential, like, you know, if you are in that position as the lead instructor and you're trying to help them because, you know, you know, they're nervous, you know, they're um, hesitant and they are making certain mistakes. Um, There's ways to go about helping coaching them as opposed to telling them what to do. Um, I know the roles are a little bit differently reversed, but um, when I was first starting out as the back row, um, like the back row lead and you were teaching, I could see things that you couldn't because you would be facing the front trying to explain movements. Um, so I would gesture to you one more time again, um, slower, or I would even so much as to be like, is it possible for you to break down that movement one more time? I definitely appreciate the way that you phrase things as questions as opposed to, Uh, making statements or I think this is the case by asking a question then the instructor has an opportunity to give a confident answer or say I'm glad you asked I'm sure there are a lot of folks who are wondering the same thing Um, when an opinion is given if the opinion is not technically correct um, then somebody is going to have to be wrong in front of everybody Is it the person who made the opinion or is it the lead instructor? Either way, it's not fun. By asking a question, nobody has to be wrong because it was just a question. There's no stance. Yeah. Um, I also know since the roles have been reversed recently on occasion, um, you also have kind of given me that look and I've confirmed with you... um, that it is one way or the other, uh, as opposed to, you know, like going through the lesson and getting the step wrong or whatever, and then having to backtrack or whatever. Um, and that's, that's come from the year that we've been, you know, taking this journey and really working on our communication and knowing that, you know, um, mistakes happen. And people need to go over things again and people need things breaking down. But the idea is to look like you're working as a team and not against each other. Absolutely. If you have too big of an ego, it's tempting to say like, oh, Miss Big Shot over here thinks she can have her own class. So, yeah, let's let her let out enough rope to hang herself with. I'm just going to go have a drink in the corner while she gets everything wrong. But like if if you're trying to actually help the person because you like them, (laughs) then you want to stay tuned in to the lesson and make sure that everyone is having a good, comfortable time. The students who are trusting their instructor, the instructor who hopefully is like feeling prepared and confident and knows their stuff, the lead or whatever person, the other person who's in, uh, who's helping out, um, 
rather than just you know coming in as cleanup as the big hero when everything has gone wrong and somebody has to come in and save the day you know you can be very helpful with just a look a confirmation or a uh, one of those and uh, that's what really benefits everybody to number six create safe environments Number six, they create safe environments. People who bring out the best in others give people permission to think, speak, and act with reason, says Wiseman. They generate an intensity that demands high-level work from the team, but they also have a high tolerance for mistakes and understand the importance of learning along the way. So they create mental spaces in which people can flourish. This article, again, for those who are just tuning in. Six Habits of People Who Know How to Bring Out the Best in Others on FastCompany.com, written by Stephanie Vaza, and as related to Lion Dance by Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulli on Lion Dance Podcast on Move Radio. Number six, they create safe environments. <laughs> okay, so I guess we're going to go a little bit over, but um, I know that the safe environment thing comes with what I've said earlier about how, um, you know, I've as an instructor, I give my students the permission to make mistakes that... You know, learning is, you know, it's a journey. It's not you just hear something and you know it. Um, so you, you're going to make mistakes along the way and it's okay. You're allowed to. Uh, one of the other things I know I do when um, you're teaching a harder dance to maybe one or two people. And although I pretty much understand what's going on, I will be the one to ask for a couple more repetitions because I know that they probably need it. And it's not going to hurt me if I go over the dance a couple more times. Um, and it's gotten people comfortable with, or those particular individuals, with asking for the repetitions themselves later on. So it's helped them as well as um, with teaching at club. You know, it's like I've, I've thrown people quote unquote to the wolves by saying, well, will you be my front wall lead while I'm in the back explaining this? Um, and you know, like they get hesitant. I was like, I was like, well, it's just us. It's fine. I'm explaining it. You're just for when they turn around, they have someone to look at. Once more in review, the six habits of people who know how to bring out the best in others. Number one, they focus on the person's strengths. Number two, they empathize. Number three, they give recognition. Number four, they connect the right people. Number five, they don't micromanage. Number six, they create safe environments, as I hope that we do for you. Every week on Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. Feel free to join us on Facebook and jump in on the discussion there. We are available for your uh, emailing at linedancepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Megan and I will see, see you, you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.